and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week, we're heading more east and going over to Malaysia for the first time. How exciting! I'll be honest, I thought this monster was Filipino before I did my research and thankfully I was corrected when I announced this the other day on Twitter so thank you everyone who did this. I do usually research before the announcement but I was running a little late this week as my last episode was only released on Sunday. But anyway, we are focusing today on the Penangalang. This monster is described as vampiric, who kind of floats around in the night. This sounds kind of normal, kind of like a normal vampire, right? But there is one thing, though, is that actually they only have a head and all of their entrails. Yes, you heard me right, literally just a bundle of organs and a noggin. They detach their heads and organs every night when they go out, leaving their bodies behind in the dark. They are always female and have a long, invisible tongue, fangs and tentacle entrails that she uses to wrap her gross organ arms around people that's the general description she's pretty hideous i know but the worst part probably is that she was once a normal person but she dabbled in black magic for the purpose of beauty the legends say that after dabbling in said black magic the woman would have to keep a vegetarian diet for 40 days and if she broke this fast she would turn into a penangalang cursed to spend her nights hunting for blood This links us really nicely onto what she eats, as in Malay culture, women who have just given birth do not leave the house for 40 days afterwards until the head shaving ceremony called the Birchakor. So you might have guessed it, the Penanglang survive on the blood of pregnant women or newborn babies, being the darkest and possibly most anti-maternal trait this monster could possibly have. This she would do in the nights and during the days, she would try her best to get as close to her prey as possible by, guess what? Midwifing. You could tell a woman was a penangalang if she avoided eye contact or licked her lips whilst working with the pregnant woman or baby. Another one was that there would be a lingering smell of vinegar, which she would bathe her organs in every dawn in order to fit them back into her body, which again, is really gross. Some tellings actually say that she would leave her body in a vat of vinegar rather than just having a little dip, and you could go and find her body in a barrel somewhere during the night if you were brave enough. So how would you stop a penanglang from getting you and your bubbies? New parents are encouraged to lock their doors and windows at night, as the monsters could reach into the windows with their long tongues, or they could get their gross intestinal bits to reach under the floorboards and snatch the babies this way. Another way was that you could find her body in either a vat of vinegar or in her house and you could fill her body up with broken bits of glass. This means when she tries to reattach herself, she slices all of her organs up and dies. Or, in a more funny way, you could flip over her body and so when she reattaches her head, everyone knows that she's a penanglang because her head's on backwards. This one is my absolute favourite. Imagine the excuses that woman would have to make when her head's stitched on backwards. Although the most common prevention method is to scatter the thorny leaves of a plant called menquang. These spiky leaves would trap or damage the exposed organs, which again, gross idea, 
but women who are near labour would wrap these around their windows to protect themselves. Another method was by planting pineapple trees under the houses, which are commonly built on stilts in Malaysia, and then the penangalang would get stuck on the spiny leaves of the fruit, and the inhabitants would come and kill it with machetes and all that jazz. They're also pretty scared of scissors or leaf cutters, so pregnant women are encouraged to keep these under their pillows to fight them off. You might be saying, hmm, Erin, I'm getting Mananangal vibes. Well, this is the monster from Filipino folklore who we covered a few months ago, and they are very often mixed up, just like I did. It's very similar in the fact that they are mostly women and able to detach a part of their body from another. They're both very nasty monsters and you can see why sometimes they're confused with each other as they're both kind of vampiric entities even though they're from differing mythologies that are close geographically. Now on to etymology. The name Penangalang comes from the Malay word tangal meaning to remove or to take off due to her detaching head and organ nature. And that's about it. That's a nice simple one for this week. It's very fun. But what's even more fun is that the Penangalang exists in pretty much every country in Southeast Asia. It's called Balambalan in Sabah, Lake in Bali, Kwang in Kalimantan, Palasik in West Sumatra, Krasu in Thailand, Kesu in Laos, Ap in Cambodia, and the Manangal in the Philippines. And as we mentioned earlier, and we've talked about in that previous episode, we've kind of got the similarities over and done with you can see why they're very much mixed together i highly recommend looking at that episode if you haven't already because duh i also had one of my filipino friends do the intro and it was super fab but no pressure There's no specific time in history that I can track this monster down to, I'm afraid. The only official record I have of this is that of a folklore tale written down back in 1834 from an East India Company officer. The story went that a man had two wives, both with different skin tones. He suspected that they were both Penangalang, and so he told them that he was going off for a business trip. He waited for the night and the wives, thinking that he was gone, went out hunting for the night, leaving their bodies behind in a house. He snuck in and swapped the two women's bodies around and in the morning, both women had each other's bodies on, which was very clear by said differing skin tones. Can you imagine how bloody funny that must have been for him? But I also imagine it was pretty traumatic. There isn't really much more to it with this monster. There's not really any specific real-life examples that we would usually do to compare this to. It's not really something that could be possibly linked to an animal in reality or something that was misconstrued or misseen, but it is very cool. But I do like this whole attachment to the whole child issue, the potential in child loss and pregnancy loss. And considering where this time period comes from, from where it existed, it definitely makes sense that those themes are prevalent. On to our lovely cultural bits. Now, I'm going to warn you already, we don't have a lot today. Seems that this monster is a bit more elusive in nature, in media, but there are a few bits you can look at here and there. For art, for this one, there are a very few arty pieces and I mean that in the sense that there are some really gorgeous masks that exist within Southeast Asia to represent these monsters like the Penangalang as well as the Mananangal that people wear during festivals and celebrations to ward them off. 
So I highly recommend having a look at those. I'm going to pop them on the Twitter just in case you haven't got the time. But otherwise, for actual art art, I would suggest really for this week having a look at independent stuff. Really recommend it. There are some really spooky and grim pieces that reflect really how vile this creature is. For movies this week, we only have a few and they are Malay or Southeast Asian films, so my westernised audience might not have heard of them, but I'll give them to you anyway. I've given some of these a watch, so recommend that you do too. There's Mystics in Bali, Feitu Monu, Demonic Beauty, Penangalang, Creepshow, Manananggal and The Boxer's Omen. For TV, there is literally nothing for Penangalang, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. You can catch some very similar monsters, such as the Manananggal, though, in Marvel Anime Blade, Encrypted, Elemento, Supernatural, and Grimm. It's not the same, but it's close enough. I am sorry. There is literally no media for TV out there with these monsters. In video games, we've got Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Indivisible, Dark Conspiracy, Malefax, and Final Fantasy. Also, not many, but definitely better than the TV category. Give these ones a go if you fancy them. And for my book recommendation this week, I have two. Firstly, it's Malay Magic by Walter William Skeet, which is actually an ebook, which I had a little read of before recording this. It's really good and it's free highly recommend. The other one is Malay Myths and Legends by Jan Nappert. Again, a fab one. Have a look, see if you're interested. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Right, I'm going to just say flat out no to this one, because look at the state of it. Look at the state of it. It's a ridiculous concept. I do get that they're quite scary, but I don't know how you could possibly see that and think it was anything else but a bunch of flying organs. How How is this... How is this debated, if it does exist? Although, I know I've just said no, flat out, I get that. Actually, the horrible idea of something happening to a baby that you just pushed out or something happening to you whilst carrying said baby is just terrifying. So maybe it was some folklory justification for child loss or death during pregnancy or childbirth, which obviously back in the day before medicine was quite common and devastating nonetheless. This monster is so gross, but a really interesting one. Another really cool monster from another really cool mythos that I wouldn't usually know anything about. And honestly, before I looked at this one, I knew nothing about. I know nothing about Malaysian culture or folklore. So this one was really interesting. I really got my teeth into this one. Although I hope a lot of other people potentially may not have looked into this before either. So that's fun. Although this one is one monster that most people do know outside of the eastern culture so hopefully that's tickled a lot of your fancies as well but next week we're heading back over to the us it's been a little while and we're looking at the modern phenomena of cryptids which i've been really really looking forward to since the beginning and i've actually put this one off a couple of times because it is just going to be I'm not going to ring my own bell, but it's going to be so good. We're actually going to look at the horrible Slender Man. So get out of that forest, run for the hills from this monstrosity next Thursday. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. 
But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast, you know, if you feel like it. But come join the fun, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes. Thank you.